And we're back. I'm joined today by Sky King, host of Sky King's Mental Playground. And Sky, you and I got connected through a mutual friend of ours, Eric Jorgensen, who's the host of uh, the Smart Friends podcast, recently rebranded. But you were instrumental in helping him kind of get his podcast off the ground. So kudos to you for that. And the reason that I wanted to bring you on today is that you're doing something super interesting and I think very unique with your podcast in that it is only behind a paywall. And I guess we'll just start there. Why did you choose to put Mental Playground behind a paywall? Yeah, so to, to back up just, just a little bit, I actually launched my podcast as an NFT, first of all. Um, it was, My whole like, kind of like theory on podcasting and why I got into it in the beginning has to do around how we monetize media. And so I basically launched like the first ever long form podcast NFT and then seven clips that I call like meme farming. I basically concepted out this thing called meme farming. And so we launched that in November of 2021. It only got like 50 plays, but we sold it for like 12K, <laughs> which was pretty sick for like Holy a ratio. Shit, of, yeah, 12,000. Yeah. For a ratio of like sale to plays, it was like pretty solid. And was that during the height of like the NFT craziness? It was that, a little bit summer? after after it was, so it was fall. So it was already things were starting to like kind of fall apart already. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I was actually pretty, pretty happy with that. And then I kind of thought of it, you know, it's, I call it a playground for a reason. Uh, I've been working in podcasting since 2016, but haven't been behind the mic that whole time. And it just seemed like a really good opportunity for me to practice. It's kind of like this is if you actually want to listen, I'm not here to grow. I'm not here to rank on iTunes. That's something I offer as a service to people. It's something I did for people for years and I kind of hated it. And so I just wanted to podcast, be really true to podcasting and see how I could monetize it as best as I can. And it's just the economics are so different, right? Because if you have a private feed, let's say you have it's $12 a month. If I get a thousand subscribers, that is six figures of income. That's you're doing well uh, just to talk, you know, once or twice a week. And so the game just becomes very different. Whereas most people who start podcasts, they just want to grow for growth sake. And bigger, bigger, bigger. You know, I've dealt with people who are getting millions of downloads a month, and they're like, "Oh, we're not growing fast enough." And I have to tell them, you know, UT Stadium, we get the entire year's worth of people sitting in that stadium every month listening. Like, you know, when you just see those numbers on a screen, it doesn't mean anything. And I really wanted to have a very clear path to like, okay, what is my actual goal? Like, I don't want to be famous. I just want ten thousand subs. Like, that's just like the like lifelong goal for me. It's like ten thousand paying subs. And if I can just needle on that further, like, how do you how do you market that? You know, like, how do you because it's it's already so difficult to ask somebody, hey, tune into my free podcast. It's probably going to suck. How do you get someone to like that's that extra level of trust that you have to build with the audience? Are you leveraging your audience to try and go out and get more subs? Are you marketing, advertising? How do you try and get new people to subscribe? Yeah, it's been purely word of mouth uh, from last year. I really, again, didn't want to do too much marketing. Uh, I am slowly starting to switch that though. And I'm building out a few marketing strategies. But with anything, target... like Whenever I'm helping people launch podcasts or talking talking through like podcasting strategy, it's like the best way to grow a podcast is by going on other people's podcasts, especially like within your niche or within the show that you want. Yeah. And you know, if you can just get really specific on what you're offering and why you're uniquely offering it up to that show... And I think you can do like a pretty good job of converting. And that's where I've had the most success is definitely going on other shows and just discussing it, explaining 
you know, why it would be helpful to that audience, you know, being very specific about it. Like if I, my podcast is about like the tension between centralized and decentralized systems generally. So if I went on like a show about like toddlers, you know, that would probably perform horribly. But if I'm going on these shows that are, you know, more crypto related or really interested in our relationship with China and, you know, I do this whole intense breakdown of what happened on January 6th in China. And, you know, they want to understand that relationship a lot more. And most people don't even know that on January 6th, 2021, Hong Kong fell for all of history. Like China came in and did national security law 20-ish years ahead of time. And it wasn't discussed at all. You go on the New York Times website right now and it has like top 10 articles from January 6th, 2021. Obviously, the number ones that happened in the United States. But they don't even mention yeah. the fact that Hong Kong fell is gone. They arrested, you know, over 70 people, 35 of them like democratically elected senators were just arrested. Wow. And it's never coming back. And so yeah, you just kind of like have to it's just like pitching anything though, you know, cuz like what? Mine's $6.90 a month and, you know, that's for somebody who wants to sign 69. up for 3 months. Yeah, 69 exactly. <laughs> somebody who wants nice. to sign up for 3 months, that's a book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I try not to take things too seriously. Um and so it's just you know, it is expensive. Podcasting is expensive. This is why I don't like like to grow podcasts like through Facebook ads and stuff is because it's actually a more expensive listen to a lot of people. Um, you know, yeah. somebody podcasting tend to be podcast listeners tend to have a little bit higher net worth. So, you know, maybe valuing their hourly time at fifty two hundred dollars an hour. And so if you're getting a Facebook ad and it's like, OK, this is a two hour podcast. It's like that's an expensive purchase off of a Facebook ad, you know? Yeah, so I that's try true. To, and yeah. go ahead. No, you go for it. I was going to say, and that's that's really where that word of mouth really plays in because it's 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 one thing to get someone to convert to a Facebook ad, but it's another thing to have someone you trust come to you and say, "Hey, this is worth your time." Mm-hmm. And it, on top of that, it's worth paying the six ninety a month, or that you have the different tiers listed out on your website. Yeah. Have you ever considered the approach of uh, like some some? Because I love the concept of private feeds. I think private content is fantastic. I would I've said this a hundred times on my podcast. I will gladly give my money to one person who's creating really great content behind a paywall versus Netflix or HBO Max because the content I'm actually getting the content I want rather than a bunch of shit that I am never going to watch and will scroll for two hours before I end up going back to listen to a podcast. Um, Have you ever considered like you have a feed where you're releasing like, you know, one out of every 10 episodes for free so people can kind of get sort of a taster before they fully commit or has that concept arisen? Yeah, I thought about that. We do that a little bit. Like some of our crypto Polkadot related stuff specifically, I do put out onto a public feed just because that's we're using for recruitment um, to try and find a technical co-founder. But how I'm actually going to approach it this year is I'm going to build a clips channel on Spotify. So it'll just be like clips from the podcast. So just like you do TikTok and YouTube clicks, but it'll be on Spotify video Um, because I know Spotify is really trying to push that. I've got pretty connected with their team. And so... That's that's going to be my approach as opposed to like a small portion of every episode. It's just like the most fire clips from each one. I love that. Yeah. And we're going to start so doing awesome. video this and, year as well. So that's fantastic. Um, And is is Anchor the only way still that you can get Spotify video? Yeah. Anchor is the only way. Megaphone, you're going to be able to do it shortly. Um, okay. Are we breaking shortly. news here? Uh, I mean, I don't I mean, <laughs> I don't I don't know if they've said it publicly or not. It's just like talking to different reps, you know, it should be happening yeah. shortly, though. Like, I think this quarter if not like halfway through the year okay cool um well i think what you're doing is fantastic what are some of the non-obvious benefits of having a private podcast in my mind 
<clears throat> yeah, I mean, t- obviously, like, there's the monetary side. Like, it's way easier to monetize earlier on. Yeah. You don't have to do advertisements, which most of my, like, clients, that's the part of the job they like the least is the advertisements and then the marketing is the next part. The non-obvious ones, though, are more the freedom in which you can speak. So nobody is like going to try and cancel me because everybody who listens to me is paying to listen. Like you would have to really fucking hate me to you yeah. know, pay me 70 bucks a year to cancel me. And so I just feel a lot more freedom. And it's not that I actually really say many things that are cancelable, but it's just knowing that I can, you know, have good faith from these people to go really deep into a lot of these topics. Uh, the non-virality component is nice. Like I'm not getting you know, split, like taken out of context constantly. Um, and it's, yeah, I don't know. It, it just feels safer. Like it just feels like everybody there is on your team, which is pretty nice. Yeah. Isn't there still kind of that one level of cancelability? Like I know, you know, there's been instances of people getting canceled on Patreon where Patreon's actually taking the step. And regardless of whether like they, regardless of whether the content violated their parameters or not, they can say, because we're in charge, because we're Patreon or because we're Subscribestar, we've decided, we've deemed your content not fit for our platform and therefore we're just booting your channel like that. Is that worry ever cross your mind? Because I know you're hosting on Supercast. Is, how does that kind of work? Yeah, I'm not personally worried about it. I'm really good friends with the CEO of Supercast and like their team. And they do okay. really want to push for this, you know, a little bit more freedom. Uh, the other thing sure. is with Supercast is you get access to everybody's email. So mm. you at least always have that. But okay, that being perfect. said, you know, like benevolent dictators are always the best rulers, but until they stop being benevolent, right? So yeah, that's it's true. definitely up there. And that's more of what we're trying to build in, in the long run with Stoa, which is my like concept that is very, very early stages as in just yeah. right now. But it is more of like a decentralized platform for podcasting that's and a- creation. That's what I was going to ask. So I would I assume Stoa is some kind of Web3 deal where people can host private content or public content without having to worry about someone kind of standing over their shoulder and putting their hand on your shoulder if you say something, you know, that could be out of line with whatever the current thing is. Yeah, yeah. It's essentially like a live stream platform that becomes a podcast. So think like Clubhouse that becomes a podcast, um, yeah. but more, more, more similar to Twitch because video and audio. And then we have different tiering systems for how people can interact. So to get access to the private feed, you would hold an NFT. So I don't know if you know this, but are you familiar with the Proof Collective, like Kevin Rose's podcast? I know who Kevin Rose is, but I haven't heard of the Proof Collective. Okay, so Kevin Rose launched a podcast back in, I want to say February, January, February of 2021. And uh, it is essentially, or 2022, it went up to 150 ETH in order to get access to listen to his podcast. Oh and it's still God. cruising in the hundreds right now. Um, it might be under 100 because he had some dramatic news happen this week. But it like absolutely crushed. And they did that all on Supercast, where that's how you were able to figure out if you owned an NFT or not. Yeah. Um, but we're kind of thinking something like that, where you have access passes to be able to interact. Once you get that, you can do stuff like what I call like meme farming. Oh, it's down to 15 now. Wow. Like even a few weeks ago, it was like in the the high numbers. But if you want yeah. one, he just announced they're not going to do a season two, which is why I think it's down. That's probably why it's dropped. Yeah. Yeah. That's why it's dropped. Um, okay. But essentially, like once you have access to that pass, we would then do this thing called meme farming. So everybody would be competing to mint like clips from the podcast 
as it's live. Yeah. And like, so they would pay the creators a fee to try and mint these sections. And it's basically trying to focus on what do podcasters hate the most, like the marketing side and the advertising side. So if we can t- open source that to the fans who compete against each other, pay a minting fee, and then resell it on like a discoverability feature to help podcasters grow. Yeah. Like that's kind of the vision for what we want to build. That's so exciting. That sounds really awesome. And it incentivizes people to listen too. You know, like if you're not like listening, actively, you're missing yeah. out like actively. Yeah. yeah. You're, if you're not listening, you're missing out on your chance to be a part of getting access and having a piece of the show to, to call your own and then hopefully re-monetize it yourself. And all the while the creator is making money off of all of it. I, I think that's incredible. Um, let's say that uh, someone out there listening to this episode has a, a successful podcast. They're have a substantial audience base they could monetize maybe they are monetizing what are some signals for a host of a podcast that hey I sh- maybe i should consider the the paywall model yeah if you're like a subject matter expert on something i think that's usually the absolute best time to do it versus just like pure entertainment um yeah for example i'm helping someone launch a private feed shortly and she has a million subs on instagram and she has a podcast but she does like toddler advice so it's all these toddler advice. And so for me, that just seems yeah. like the perfect opportunity because behind the paywall, you can do Q&A episodes. And so your fans can come in, pay, ask a question, and then you can go in and answer those specific questions. Um, I mean, Peter Tia, Sam Harris do these like some of the best of anybody. Huberman's yeah. the same way though. So it's usually like... I was going to say Huberman, Huberman would be the ideal candidate for someone doing this. Yeah, he, he does have one. It's absolutely crushing. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, what is he? Great. What is different? Because I listened to his free one. I didn't even know he had a a paid one. Is it just no ads and then Q and A stuff, or how? Q and A's. Yeah. What more Q and A's? Okay. And yeah. also, and he'll, think ask, he'll ask questions to the guests too, like from yeah. the Q and A. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I was gonna say that. I think that's one of the things that people need to keep keep in mind if they're gonna do sort of a hybrid model. Is mm-hmm. you can't expect to pe- from people to just convert from your free podcast over to your paid one just because it's available. You have to offer something more. And probably the best approach to that is access to you as the host, whether that's reading emails, Q&A, things like that. Yeah, I have a really... This is a little... How X-rated can we get on this podcast? Because I have a super funny one we did once. Dude, I don't give a fuck. Okay, so one of my, one of my old clients, uh, True Sex and Wild Love podcast, we launched a private feed for them. And it was the, the thing we put... We only put one episode on the private feed outside of no ads for the episodes. And it was this woman, Dr. Wednesday Martin, getting in like the audio of this woman getting in she's like a really popular oh sex God. coach and it was this other <laughs> sex coach like getting her on the audio and that was what we <laughs> sold it for and it did really well <laughs> a lot of people converted. all right i kind of regret saying x-ray but we'll <laughs> yeah. um okay so you're helping all these people out and then you're also running your own show you have a very full plate um what does because I don't have access to the podcast, I'd have to pay for it. I would encourage people to go pay for that. Um, what kind of production are you looking at? It's just you said you're going to start implementing video, but do you have a team that's helping you put the show together? Are you doing all of the content, all of the production? What does that look like? Yeah, so I have just like one person that helps me. We really leverage a lot of you know new tools to like that are out there, like Descript, um, to take place of a lot of the editing to help us make clips way easier and faster. I basically taught someone how to do it in a few hours and he just runs yeah. it all for me. So I record, it comes up to Riverside or I'll upload it to Drive if they're in person. And then he just goes, takes it, creates the show notes. And then I come in and edit it how I see fit, what I like, pull out my favorite parts. And then he just pops it out. It would, would the ultimate goal 
either in the near or long term future be to where you are purely doing the content and you have sort of a right hand person like a lead producer that understands the style of your show and knows what clips they should be looking for? Or do you kind of want to keep handling that because it's it's your audience, your show? I enjoy that part. I do think it's one of my like better skill sets is determining that. Okay. I just spent so many years finding those clips for big podcasters that I'm decently good at it when I want to do it. And so it's hard to say. My ultimate goal though is to have like it open source and incentivize the fans to pick the clips. Like that to me, I find yeah. a lot more interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, moving cool. to a production team, like especially as we start to do a lot more video, I think it's going to be necessary because even just the amount of time it takes to like render some shit, you know what I mean, can be hectic. And if I have like, yeah, to do a I, lot of other meetings and stuff, it's like I have two computers, but it's just annoying. Dude, it's it's insane. I can't tell you how how much time I, I need to track how much like in a given day I spend. But like, I, I would say at least a couple hours every day are spent just staring at the either the bounce bouncing icon logo loading in Logic Pro X or the exporting function in Final Cut Pro. Yeah. It's just so much time spent doing that. And hopefully kind of with the future with AI and technology as it gets better i'm hoping that that stuff will render faster and export faster at a higher quality and then hopefully with what you're building since it's all live streaming that stuff doesn't matter anymore it's going to be done in real time and then it'll be out there for people to consume um okay i have one more question for you i really appreciate you taking the time to come on the pod what to you makes a great podcast like what is a great podcast episode for me that I do or what is like uh like a great podcast out in the world like what makes it if like if you well you could take this really any way you want but initially the way that I wanted the question to be answered would be like what in your mind when you listen to an episode of a podcast or you get introduced to a podcast makes that sort of flash go off in your brain and you go oh this is a great podcast yeah uh i call it edutainment so it's like I am being entertained, but I'm learning stuff at the same time. And yeah. I think that that to me is always the sweet spot that I aim for and try and like help my clients tend to aim for. It's like it has to be engaging. It has to be fun. But I want to feel like I am better at the end of it. I've like experienced more of the world. I've connected more deeply with people. I have a better honest conversation with myself. I'm fitter. I have a solution to a problem that exists in my life while still being entertained. You know, when you talk about compared to a subscription of like HBO Max or Netflix. It's like most yeah. of the stuff I watch in those shows, it's I'm pure entertainment. But most of the time I'm listening to a podcast, it's like, oh, I'm actually... I feel like I'm getting a little bit of growth. And especially if I then take the time to integrate that podcast and you know actually reflect on it and to like input what I received, then that usually is a great podcast. It's amazing that you say that because I spent a lot of time thinking about that question and I came up with the word infotainment and you nice. came up with edutainment. So nice. one of those words is hopefully going to stick long term. Yeah. But and then, I think uh, that... <laughs> go ahead. Uh, like Patrick Beck David's whole thing is valuetainment. Yeah. Valuetainment. Yeah, I love his podcast. Um, I think those guys are great. I think they I think they do a great job of leaning really hard into the entertainment side with a sprinkling of information like they're taking educational informational topics but they're doing more educate or uh, information versus something like my first million they're kind of the opposite of that they're doing a yeah. lot more of the information stuff but a sprinkling of entertainment on the top and i think uh, there's so much advice out there of like how do i make my podcast grow how do i make a good podcast 
and people come up with a million different answers, but I'm, it seems like everything is pointing back to this topic of edutainment or infotainment. That is what it is. It's finding the perfect blend within your personality of, I need to be entertaining. I need to be funny. I need to be something, but I also need to be teaching people something at the same time. And it's really hard for people to be able to do that. And that takes a serious talent. Yeah, for sure. And a, and a lot of reps. <laughs> Tons of reps behind the mic. Yeah, no, no one's born naturally to do that. So you just got to get tons of reps behind the mic. Um, Sky, dude, this is super fun. I really appreciate it. Where can people go subscribe to your podcast? Where can they go learn more about Stoa? Can they follow you online? Give them the whole spiel. Yeah, so if you're interested in listening to any of my episodes, uh, Sky King's Mental Playground. So it's skmp.supercast.com. Uh, you can sign up there. And there, there are... like You can... You know, the cheapest one is $6.90 a month, but there is a free one that you can listen to. So like it's just your email. So if you want to give it a test, jump in there. Um, and then Twitter is probably the best other place. I like to tweet silly stuff. Pretty absurd sometimes, but I enjoy it. And that's Consumer Sky. I do enjoy your Twitter feed. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or sub on YouTube. And once again, as always, go subscribe to my Substack. <laughs>